0: Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Thackeray. This podcast is the result of my fascination with health issues, resilience, performance, mental health, accountability, and critical thinking, along with many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, organizations, and people, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories, as well as my synthesis of the key issues, tips, and strategies to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, you can also find other information at qedod.com or russelthackeray.com. Stay tuned to the end for details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So today I'm talking to Debbie Hampton. So um uh, Debbie and I have been trying to um, get this podcast arranged for quite some months actually, and uh, I'm very excited to have the chance to talk to her tonight because she's got a remarkable story, remarkable insights, and I think you're going to enjoy two things in particular. um, Her very um, real sort of normal sense of looking at the world and making things understandable for people. And secondly, she's got the most fantastic accent, and I'm just saying that as someone who loves and enjoys listening to the American accent. And I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy the next 30 minutes or so together. So, hi, Debbie.
1: Hey, Russell. And this is a very authentic southern accent.
0: That's what I'm hoping. So, I know you're somewhere in, is it North Carolina tonight?
1: Yes, I'm in the middle part of North Carolina, in
0: Greensboro. Absolutely fantastic. Well, we're in the middle of autumn now, and the weather's coming in, and it's getting dark and such like, so hopefully... You've had hurricanes and all sorts of things this year, haven't you? It's been a bit of a rough year for you in that part of the world.
1: Yeah, hopefully we're through with all that. We lost power a couple, uh, like two weeks ago for four days. Really? That wow. was no fun.
0: No. That's, you need resilience to cope with that. So there you go. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> or lots of candles.
0: Yes, that's true light. as well. In fact, they're more useful in some ways. Right. <laughs> so, Debbie, tell me a little bit about yourself and your story.
1: Well, Russell, um, I'm 10 years post brain injury, right. and I received my brain injury in 2007 because of a suicide attempt. Right. And at the time, I was 43 years old, and um, pretty newly divorced. Uh, I think three years divorced, past an 18-year marriage. Right. And the divorce was very ugly. And previously, in the same decade, i taken care of a brother for two years that subsequently died of AIDS. Wow. And he was my best friend in the whole world. And, I mean, there were miscarriages, affairs on my husband's part, ex-husband's, not mine. Hmm. And, I mean, just, I mean, it seems like a lot of bad stuff, but I mean, actually, it was just normal life. And I mean, I'd been married to this man. He was my high school sweetheart, huh. and we'd been married for eighteen years, yeah, And I'd kind of had a very privileged upbringing and young adulthood, in that I went to a really good college um on scholarship. Hmm. I was a cheerleader in high school and um, I don't know, I mean I was kind of living a good life, living the dream life
0: yes.
1: and I mean the ex-husband and I, after 18 years of marriage, found ourselves in a million dollar house right. in a very exclusive neighborhood in Florida with a pool in the backyard, a portion of the garage. So everything looked pretty good. Yeah. But, I mean, because I had never really gone through a lot of challenges or hardships yeah. in my life, yeah. I didn't develop resilience or learn the tools that I needed when life got hard, when my brother died, when I got divorced. Yeah. And, I mean, I chose to get divorced, but it still is very hard. I don't care who's choosing it. And so my answer to all the crap, and my ex-husband, I mean, constantly drug me through court. He's a millionaire. So, I mean, he had money to harass me financially. And, I mean, he did for years. And my answer to all that was trying to kill myself. Right. Because I didn't have the skills to cope. Yes. And I was terrified. And I was stressed out. And I was incredibly depressed for years. And anxious. Uh, And of course, I mean, as you can tell, I didn't die. Yes. But what I did do was give myself a very serious brain injury.
0: Right.
1: And I mean, I thought things were bad before. Okay. Afterwards, I seriously brain injured myself. I mean, after I woke up in the hospital, after a week in a coma, wow. I couldn't speak. All I could do is make sounds. I did not remember that I got divorced. Um I didn't know my brother died. I, mean, I didn't know that my second son had been born. I think I knew my first son had been born. Yeah. But and I mean I had no manual dexterity. I couldn't control my bladder. I mean, I was seriously impaired. Yes. And then my ex husband sued me and took my sons away. Oh, And not only did he win, but he moved to a different state with him. So here I am severely brain injured. And my sons have been taken away and moved to a different state. I'm laughing now, but of course, it was not funny at all at the time. Yeah. But I was severely cognitively impaired. Yeah. So the full brunt... Of uh, that everything did not hit me like it like it would have had it been cognitively not all there, yes or all there. I mean, I was not able to emotionally comprehend everything that was going on. Yes. I mean, I knew my sons had been taken away, but in recovery. I mean the first year I just kinda naturally recovered a little bit. And I did like the occupational therapy that my insurance covered and all that. But I realized during the first year, I mean all I could do was pay attention to the here and the now because my brain was not competent of doing more than that. Right. And, I mean, a good day for me was emptying the dishwasher and maybe sweeping the floor. And I think, like, six months after the brain injury, I got my license again. But, I mean, it was a very slow process of recovering. Yeah. And, let's see, I tried to commit suicide in June. And in January of the following year, I went on a trip with my brother in California to Hawaii. Wow. And I think he just kind of proposed the idea of us going because he knew that I needed something positive in my life, yeah. something to look forward to. But I mean, that was a challenge, just packing and coordinating, like getting to the airport and getting through airport security. Wow. Because my my brain had gone back to not knowing all the social norms and all those things. I mean, believe it or not, but you have to learn those. You learn those in childhood. Yeah. So when I when I got to the security checkpoint at the airport, I had no idea what to do.
0: Really.
1: And I had like at the grocery store or the gas pump or whatever. I had learned to watch what other people did to learn. Like, think about, if if you were a child, would you know how to check out at the grocery store mm. using your card? No. Yeah, okay. exactly. I would stare at the, the machine and not know what to do. So, I mean, just getting through security at the airport and getting on the airplane and storing my baggage, and all that was a challenge. But, I mean, doing all these things is how my brain relearned, Yes. And how I learned to fit back in society and to be independent again.
0: And, it's, but, and of course, with that learning comes the resilience to allow you to move forward. So, and it's probably the first bit. Of, and it's, it's interesting learning as an adult, I suppose, because you have a a different way of being able to reflect on that learning and make sense of it.
1: True. And one thing I was going to tell you is that resiliency is actually a neuroplastic process yeah. in your brain. It's a learning process. Yeah. I mean, re- neuroplasticity is, the definition means your brain changes and makes connections and patterns and rewires itself Based on the input, which includes your experiences, your thoughts, your behaviors, your emotions, it includes everything going into your brain.
0: Yeah,
1: and they used to believe that your brain only changed during childhood, yeah. but within the last couple decades, it's been confirmed beyond any doubt that your brain changes from the day you're born until the day you die. Yeah. Now, it is more your plastic in childhood and your brain is incredibly absorbent of everything. It's also incredibly vulnerable because of that. I mean, the experiences that you have in childhood, the wounds, I mean, predetermine your brain until you change it from life. Yes. I mean, it sets up the patterns, but you can change those patterns. Yes. And what I was going to tell you is that when I went to Hawaii with my brother, mm-hmm. I had the near-drowning experience where we went scuba diving. Yeah. And I'm a good swimmer. I was a lifeguard all during high school and college, and I swim competitively. Right. But after the brain injury, I mean, I was not nearly as physically coordinated. Right. And it was very hard to coordinate the acts of breathing through the little scuba tube. Yeah. And I kicked off my fin. And we were in some strong currents. And it was above my head. And I was not nearly as strong a swimmer without the fin.
0: Yeah.
1: And I managed to make it over to some rocks covered by coral but as you may know coral is very sharp yeah. and it was cutting cutting me. So I mean I hollered to my brother. Long story short I didn't drown. Yes. But what I realized I fought really hard to live. I mean I, my right. and what I, what I realized is in those moments of um, always drowning. I didn't sit there and debate whether life was worth living or, and I also didn't slip quietly under the water. Mm. And what I started six months earlier. And I was completely at that point undecided as to whether I did want to live. I mean, now my kids were taken away and I was severely brain injured. And I was supposed to want to live. Yeah. But what I realized is that my instinct, my natural instinct was to fight, to live. Yeah. There was no debating in my head of Do I want to live or not. Do I want to drown? Do I want to breathe? I just felt to live. And I realized when I came home that... The struggle to to want to live was in my mind. It was my thoughts. It, it wasn't even even real. It was something my mind was creating. My natural instinct was to live. My natural instinct and in essence was life itself. Hmm. There was no decision to be made. Hmm. So, after returning from that trip, I started acting like I wanted to
0: live. Right.
1: And I started learning everything I could about repairing my brain. And that's when I started learning about neuroplasticity. Yeah. And when I initially started working every day to repair my brain and my life and my thoughts. Yeah.
0: So what did, you, this what, did what did it, you, what did you do? What did you do first? What was the what was the starting point?
1: Well, I read a book by Norman Deutsch called "The Brain That Changes Itself," and it's basically stories of personal triumph of people that rewired their brains from strokes, from horrible accidents, or from being born even with half a brain. Right. And I realized that within the pages of that book was a manuscript for how to repair my own brain. It, it, every brain injury is different and every brain is different. And what your individual brain is going to respond to is different than what mine is. Only balances. But the same basics of neuroplasticity and how your brain works are the same for all of our brains, yes. unless there's some biological problem or difference. Yes. So I started applying the basics of neuroplasticity to repairing my brain. And the very very first thing I did was start exercising every single day. Right. Okay. Exercise Exercise is like miracle growth for your brain. Yeah, it is the number one thing that promotes neurogenesis, which is the birth of new brain cells. It promotes neuroplasticity, rewiring your brain. Uh, it it brings more oxygen to your brain yeah. and promotes the growth of a neurochemical called BDNF, yeah. which is Which is, like I said, the miracle grow. So every day, I exercise for an hour. Every single day. And then I started brain training. And I know there's a a big debate about whether brain training works or not. And there are some that are not legitimate. Yes. But there are some that are. And I started using... A program back then it was called Brain now is um, Brain No, I'm sorry. It's called Brain now. That's right. Back, yeah. back then it was called Brain Fitness Program That's it. Yeah. and it's by Positive Science and the CEO of that company is Dr. Michael Merznik, which was the original scientist that did all the experiments confirming neuroplasticity. I mean, they are based on science. And it may be because my brain was so injured, but they dramatically improved my brain. They improved the processing speed, the memory recall, everything. I mean, originally there was a time delay between my thoughts when I would think something and when it would come out of the mouth. Right. And you can only imagine how confusing that was.
0: Yeah.
1: And I would say that brain training dramatically increased my processing speed and helped that. And then I actively started looking for alternative therapies to help. And there's something called neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. Yes, and no neuro, neurofeedback it is where electrodes are placed at strategic points on your head that correspond with brain activity. And you actually retrain and reprogram the brain activity to a certain level. And we started by doing a brain map where she basically um, mapped the activity of my brain. Yeah. And she, the practitioner said, Wow, I'm surprised you're functioning as well as you are. Because she was so aghast at how low my brain was functioning. My brain was really slow on every level. And I guarantee you, I was only functioning that well because my sheer determination. Right. But we started training specific places on my brain, and I would see corresponding improvements. And I could even feel what I came, I came to call very technically, the tingly. I mean, we would work a part of my motor strip that corresponded with my hands, and I would physically feel my hands waking up. Wow! Or my speech improved because. I could feel my jaw loosening. Part of a symptom of a brain injury is very tense, tight muscles. Right. And I, at first, I talked like my mouth was wide shut. And nerve feedback really helped relax those jaw muscles, so I could open my mouth and articulate. Yes. And I mean, I continued very intensive neurofeedback. For a year and a half, and then I went on to something else called um, Neuro Neuro Optimal, and I mean now this was ten years ago. Now there are all kinds of things out there which are more readily available. Yeah, wave optimization, all that, and it's very valid. And I also started doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy.
0: Yes. And
1: as you may know, that kind of forces oxygen, the oxygen concentration in your blood to be like four times the level of normal. Yes. And it allows oxygen to go to areas of your brain that in greater concentration than before, so I mean between the neurofeedback, my um, exercising every day, uh, brain training, I also did um, acupuncture, I did everything, yeah. and I mean I did like little known, little heard up things, and if I saw they did something, I continued, if I didn't do anything, I quit. But for basically two two and a half years, I did nothing but work on rehabilitating my brain, wow. and it worked but alongside of all that stuff was what I was doing on my own and what anybody can do which was meditation right. reframing my thoughts mm-hmm. um learn, visualization um there's uh Different ways that you can work with your mind, like Jeffrey Schwartz has a 4R method that is specifically for OCD, but it works tremendously for me or anybody just trying to change their thought, like obsessive thought patterns, yeah. negative thought patterns, which I was very much in the habit of doing. And so I was meditating daily. I was thought reframing on the spot daily. I was visualizing daily. I mean, I was overhauling my brain and the way I thought daily. And it worked. But I'm not saying people have to go do therapies but anybody can take little steps every day to change their brain and to become more resilient. Because what when it, when it, when it boils down to is it's in your way of thinking. Yeah. And that is learned. And it's, I mean, when you're a child, you don't have a lot of control over it. You learn what your parents teach you. You learn what school, what the institutions, what society around you teaches you. Yeah. But as an adult, your chance to t- your chance to change your life and your brain is to take control of that. Yes. And say, okay, what do I want to believe? What do I want to think? What do I choose to behave and act? Instead of just the inherent habitual patterns that are in your brain. Yes. I mean, I call it befriending your brain. Being your own friend. And I think every every minute and every situation and every day in life, we are faced with a choice. And the choice is, do I want to help myself or do I want to hurt myself? Yes. And you help yourself or hurt yourself tremendously with your thoughts. Yes. And it's even not automatic with me these days, but I go through the thing, okay, I go through the process of, I want to help myself, so I'm not going to think that. I'm going to encourage and support and help myself with my thoughts. I still experience anxiety, I still have somewhat negative thoughts but I don't believe them. I challenge them and I choose what I want to think and how I want to act and how I want to go forward. And over time and with consistency, this does neuroplastically change your brain to make you more
0: resilient mm-hmm.
1: and make you more mentally healthy. Yes.
0: And and how and how are you now? How is your condition now?
1: I don't know you judge. <laughs> I mean, I think if anybody spent t- any amount of time with me, they would think something's not quite right about her. I would liken it to somebody being on the autism spectrum. I'm kind of, I'm not like your typical, I don't get a lot of humor.
0: Right.
1: And I don't understand a lot of things the first time around, but I'm not sure that's all bad. I mean, I'm more mindful and aware in ways that I was not before, but I work a job, I've written books, I maintain a website. Um, I know, for all practical purposes I'm pretty normal.
0: Yes and, and and your website's remarkable because what I like about it it's very practical and it ranges from tips about how you think but also about even what you eat and drink and such like and I think people underestimate this idea that nutrition Drinking tea, I think you say on there, what you eat, the fats you eat, that, that has an effect on your brain, doesn't it?
1: Oh, that is huge. There is a whole part of psychiatry that is just emerging that is nutritional psychiatry. And, oh my gosh, they have pretty much determined within the last decade, you have a whole nother brain in your belly that's called the entire nervous system. Yeah. And you make the majority of your serotonin and some of your other neurochemicals in your nervous system. That's right. And it communicates directly with your brain. And it even I mean, even directs your brain. Your brain follows that nervous system on some things and your what you eat and put in your body has everything to do with what's going on in your head yes mental health is not just what I don't know it's your lifestyle it's your physical activity levels it's what you think it's what you eat it's who you socialize with yeah it, it is your lifestyle yes I mean I don't want to place blame on anyone or make anybody feel guilty, but this epidemic of depression and anxiety is all about our lifestyles. Yeah. Look at what we eat, look at what we think, look at our lives, they are so far removed from what our bodies were meant for or what is healthy for us
0: yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more and i think I think the understanding the serotonin aspects of the enteric nervous system as you say is is quite interesting because actually a lot of the ways a lot of the traditional ways of talking about depression and mood manipulation has all been about talking therapy, but actually people underestimate the effects of exercise and nutrition and and um Uh, calories and fats and balanced diets and actually it's one of the ways of countering depression. I know you talk a lot on your site about depression. I just wondered what you think about that.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen articles recently saying that um, medical professionals are actually starting to prescribe exercise, nature and other things for depression and anxiety. These are first level ways to combat them before turning to drugs or anything else and I mean it makes a lot of sense to me. These are things that you can control and incorporate within your own life on a daily basis and again working with your thoughts and like I told you I'm not a big believer of just being positive and everything is okay Mm. But thinking positive and thinking gratitude and looking for what is good in your life and remembering to focus on what is going right, not just what is going wrong or what you think is lacking. Because think about your brain and your body respond to the thoughts that run through your head with neurochemicals, with anxiety with physical states which are depression and anxiety so I mean they can respond and you can help turn the pattern around and change the cycle by working with your thoughts, by practicing gratitude, by exercising. I'm not saying any one of these is magically going to change your life today. No, but over time, I mean, it's a synergistic effect over time with a the consistency. These can
0: change your life, and I think it's the thing you talked about earlier is that you have to practice these things when things are okay, you have to build your capacity otherwise you're not practiced when things go wrong you're you're not ready you're not you don't have the resources you've not got used to learning and I think I I loved one of the um, statements you said earlier which I really believe in so no doubt no no surprise I loved it it's all about this idea of choice and you choose every day to to uh, to harm yourself or to live your life you choose every day whether you to work with your thoughts or against your thoughts you you know, everything is a series of choices, and that's the bit where you actually have the only real thing you have control of over your life is your own thoughts and your choices that you make.
1: Exactly,
0: Good. I couldn't agree more.
1: And people with depression, anxiety, and I used to be one, get so defensive and take the victim mentality. Yeah. Or people, t- it makes me really sad to see people that are hopeless like, and don't take responsibility, but the first step is realizing that we do have some power yes. and that we do have some influence, and if nothing else but that first step makes all the difference, yeah. and it's essential to doing the other things.
0: And I think and I think right. you and I think you're right there because it's a skill isn't it you have to learn the skill which means you have to practice the skill and it means that you don't always get it right. Exactly. But, but then you pick yourself up you bounce back from getting it wrong and then the next time you do it you do it a different way. And life's that journey of constantly making choices making mistakes bouncing back and then getting it better the next time around that's that's the point isn't it?
1: Exactly and that's really important too Russell is something that I didn't realize before like ten years ago is I didn't realize that the bad quote bad things in life are just as much a part of life as the good things. Yeah. I expected I expected life to be sunshine. Yeah. And when it wasn't, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But I actually think part of being resilient is learning to lower your expectations. Mm. And seriously I mean that.
0: Yeah.
1: Lowering your expectations to the point of realizing that hurt, pain, death, challenges, all that is just as much a part of a good life as the good things. Yeah. And expect them. Hopefully not more than bad, no. but expect them to show, and don't be totally—I don't know—chaotic yes. and panicked when they do. Yes, expect it. It's part of it.
0: Yeah, it's part it, of. It's part of um, understanding. I remember someone many years ago t- told me that in order to really appreciate the good times in your life, you have to have experienced the bad things and almost in the worst things that you've experienced the, the more significant the good things are so in a way understanding that good, you know, good things and bad things are there in a way to help you have a more fulfilling life a more rich life in a way
1: exactly it's a concept of, called duality yeah. and to break it down psychologically on an emotional scale if you blunt yourself as I did, and not allow yourself to feel the quote negative feelings, not allow yourself to feel the pain, not the suffering, the disappointment, then you also blunt yourself from feeling the happiness and the joy. It's a spectrum emotionally. If you don't let the bad stuff in, you also don't allow yourself to
0: feel the full
1: good stuff. Now, you've got to learn to feel both.
0: Yes, exactly right. Now, you mentioned in passing earlier that you'd written a couple of books and there was, um, you know, I was fascinated to see them on your website. Your website, by the way, is very good. Thebestbrainpossible.com is really good and I think you can connect with um, Debbie there. But um, you've written two books. Which one did you read, write first? Because they've both got great titles. Which was the first one?
1: Um, The first one was actually my memoir, but it was the last one published. Right. And that's called Sex, Suicide, and Serotonin. What a
0: great title. Um,
1: Breaking Myself Apart and Putting Myself Back Together. Yeah. But I actually wrote the first drafts of that within like three, the first two, three years after the brain injury.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm glad I did because. I was still very emotionally raw and healing. And like I look back now and I can't really relate to those emotions because I have healed. But that allowed me to heal. But that book tells you the story of the divorce, of my childhood, of my brother's sickness everything, how I got to the point in life that I wanted to commit suicide, and I thought that was a viable option. And the aftermath of that chaos, and then how I did heal, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yes. So, So it's kind of a self-help book disguised as a memoir.
0: Yes. But,
1: I mean, the feedback that I've gotten is that Fantastic. people can really, really relate to it? It's honest and raw and emotional and enthralling. Yeah,
0: and then and then you've gone on to write something that's even more helpful in a way, which is this idea of how you beat depression and anxiety. And I like the I like the use of the word beat here. I think that's very good. I think that's very positive because that's again all about choices, isn't it?
1: It is. Um, and the memoir, I went on to do several editions of it, and it actually got picked up by a publisher, Trigger Press, and was just published by them last year. Mm. But in the interim, I started um, writing the blog, and I started learning about neuroscience and researching all the science behind everything that was happening or had happened and I wrote beat depression and anxiety by changing your brain. Yeah, and that is a very layman's terms easily understandable, but based on science Hmm. how to change your brain neuroplastically and specifically how to change depressive and anxiety patterns with simple practices like meditation, visualization, exercise, thought reframing that you can do on your own at home. But that's been out for like five years and I get really good feedback on that too. I'm amazed.
0: And I like the way if you go onto um, Debbie's website you can actually um, read an excerpt from the book as well so that gives you a real flavor of your writing style which is which is as clear and practical and honest as the way you've been talking to us today, which I think is fantastic.
1: Well, thanks. I'm working on another book now, and who knows when I'll get this done. But it's basically mindfulness, using mindfulness as a mental health tool. Right. And it's basically the neuroscience behind all that. Because you hear all the hype, yeah. but here's, here's the science behind it and why it actually works and how you can actually put it to use for you But who knows when I get that done
0: Well uh, well I think I think the thing to do is to go to your website to follow you read your blogs because yeah. it's a fantastic website full of all sorts of interesting very useful tips
1: well, um, thanks, techniques Russell.
0: and such like and you know I You know, I've got my own website and I'm looking at yours and being somewhat envious, to be honest, because I think it's very practical and pragmatic. And um, so let me give you that link again. It's thebestbrainpossible.com where you can get hold of Debbie Hampton. Debbie, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. I've I've really enjoyed it. I've loved listening to you. I have to say I love the accent. But you speak such really good practical common sense. I so thank you for spending time with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Russell. I hope you could understand. As I... As I mentioned, I had to relearn how to talk. So I'm glad some of the accent is still there.
0: It's absolutely remarkable. Debbie, thank you so much this evening. I really appreciate your time. Thank
1: you so much. I enjoyed it.
0: Take care. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to slash free ebook. Thanks for listening. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com.